God put you on this earth for a reason, for a purpose. In other words, God has a plan for your life, and he wants to use you in a bold way, right here, right now. The problem with that is we get it in our head, I think, God could never use me. You know, sometimes I I think uh, we reflect on the possibilities of God using us. And in in those moments of deep uh, kind of introspection, we want to believe that God could use us. But then we look at our situation, we look where we are in, in our lives, and where we find ourselves, and I think we push it off and kind of go, maybe someday God will use me. God wants to use you. But friends, you've got to take a risk. You, you have got to change your thinking. And you're going to have to be bold about embracing those now moments. You know, don't raise your hand, but how many of you want your life to matter? You know, you want to make a difference in, in your family. You want to make a difference in this world. You know, you want to be used by God. You know, Paul writes this. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind can imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. You know, I look around, I see now moments throughout history. As I read history, I I see people that dared to dream of a better world. You know, people that dared to face their their obstacles or, or challenges in life. People that ignited the imagination of generations of nations, saw people that that made a difference and had a significant impact because of now moments in their life. And there's something about a now moment. First of all, they exist now. In other words, if you don't embrace those moments when they come along, you miss them. And it's interesting, throughout the Bible, you find people that have, they they kind of face these defining moments in their lives, these these now moments in their life. And, you know, I think about people like Moses. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about Moses a while back in our Motown series. But uh, he had that moment, his first one, that's recorded anyway, when he stood before a burning bush. And God called him to lead the the Israelites out of slavery. It was in that moment that Moses took a risk. That Moses was bold enough to say, I am the one, this is the place, and now is the time. You know, that that now moment was a defining moment in Moses' life. That now moment was a defining moment in history. I mean, it was the first of many that Moses would embrace now moments. And it was epic. You know, Matthew 26 records a now moment, a little more obscure. 
It's when Mary of Bethany experienced this now moment. She's with Jesus. And she took a risk to sacrifice her very best. And scripture says that she broke open an alabaster perfume jar. And she poured it on Jesus. And she worshipped him. And the disciples, they kind of looked on and they kind of lost it. They said, you're you're wasteful. That's expensive perfume. What are you doing? But see, Mary understood that that was a moment that she did not want to miss. And what's interesting, Jesus knew it too. You know, if Mary had hesitated, had resisted that now moment, worried about, uh uh-oh, what are people going to think? She'd have missed it. Because we know 24 hours later, Jesus would be hanging on a cross and dying for the world's sins. And I've often wondered, as I've read that story, I wonder if when Jesus was hanging on the cross, I have a hunch he could smell that perfume strong aroma of that perfume. And I wonder, I wonder if just for a few moments, if it didn't provide Jesus a little bit of an escape from the pain and agony that he was going through. All because Mary saw a now moment and she immediately embraced it and said, I am the one. This is the place. And now's the time. And she did it. One of the saddest now moments in scriptures uh, recorded in Deuteronomy 1. I'd encourage you to take a read uh, sometime this week. But Moses had led the Israelites out of slavery. And they're kind of hanging out in the mountains. They're in the desert. And God comes to him and says, you know what? You've been here long enough. Go possess the promised land. It was a now moment. And scripture records that they hesitated. They decided that what they needed to do was do a little investigation. And so they sent spies in to kind of check things out. After they got reports, after some debate, they initially decide that they're not going to go. And because the Israelites delayed, it's interesting because they missed that opportunity. They missed that now moment. And God didn't allow an entire generation to enter the promised land. All because of hesitation. Only two guys from that generation would get the privilege of going to the promised land. And that was Caleb and Joshua. Because they embraced the now moment. They, Scripture says, with their whole heart, they were willing. You know, I can picture them saying, I am the one, this is the place, and now is the time. And friends, I want to suggest, don't miss now. Don't miss now. I mean, some of you, some of you, God is giving you now moments in your life. You know, it may be a now moment in your marriage or a now moment vocationally. You know, a now moment to to change something 
in your life, to overcome something. A now moment to take a spiritual step of faith. And friends, I want to say, don't miss now. Don't miss now. The question is not if you will have now moments. The question is, will you embrace those now moments? Will will you risk it? Will you boldly step up and say, I am the one, and this is the place, and now is the time. Don't miss now. Don't miss now. What I want to do today, real quick, is look at the process God uses to get people to embrace now moments. I want to look at uh, situations that how God leads us through that. It gets us to look at ourselves and realize that I am the one. This is a place. And now is the time. And I want to look at a young farm boy by the name of Gideon. And as you look at Gideon, you realize there's a process God uses to change Gideon. I mean, Gideon... He kind of moves from being a loser in his life, struggling, to, to being a leader. And a little history of Israel will help you understand what's going on. Israel's at an all-time low. I mean, spiritually, their faith is very weak. They're kind of wavering. The economy's collapsed. Food's scarce. The Midianites, they've, they've swarmed in, 135,000 strong. They've taken over everything. And when we meet Gideon, he's hiding out in a wine press. He's looking for for food, Scripture says. But it's very clear that he's afraid. He's afraid. He's feeling defeated in his life. He feels insecure, inadequate. Uh, If you read the, the text, you get what psychologists would call he had an inferiority complex in, in his life. And scripture picks up uh, chapter 6. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came sat under the oak at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to, to, to hide it from Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you. What? Mighty warrior. I I love the irony in in Scripture. Here you've got Gideon. He's hiding. He's afraid. He's scared to death. Angel appears to him. Probably was God when it says angel of the Lord. But at any rate, the angel says, mighty warrior. (laughs) There's something I've noticed about now moments. Whether, whether it's in scripture or in history or in my own life, that God, God always starts with encouragement when we, re- when we see those moments. God, God sees potential that he wants you to see in, in your life. You know, the fact is that God is always looking at the potential that you have. What do you look at? God God wants us to get a new view of who we are, to get a glimpse of possibilities. Without vision, the people what? Perish. God affirms him, says mighty warrior. 
that wasn't even on his radar. I mean, Gideon, Gideon's like, you get the wrong guy. Mighty warrior? I'm mighty scared, but I'm not a mighty warrior. And Gideon, Gideon's looking at the impossibilities of things. And again, God's looking at the potential that he has. Scripture goes on and says, Gideon answered him, but sir, if the Lord is with us, now pick up his language here, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all of his wonderful deeds that our ancestors recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord's cast us off. He's given us into the hands of Midian. You know, his vocabulary, he's he's an insecure guy. I mean, he's defeated as as you read that. He goes on and he says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this strength of yours and deliver Israel from the hands of Midian. I hereby commission you. Get ready. Because Gideon's going to start giving excuses here. He says, But sir, how can I deliver Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Friends, when you face now moments in your life, know that excuses will abound. I mean, Gideon, he had all kinds of excuses. First he goes, you got the wrong place, God. I mean, we're a little tiny village that I'm from, Ophrah. If you look it up in Hebrew, it means uh, a place of dustiness. Sounds thrilling, doesn't it? He's like, you can't launch a national campaign. We can't change the world from, from this little little place. I mean, we just can't do that. And God, you got the wrong family too. I mean, we're poor. We're a really poor tribe. We're the poorest and weakest of them all. You know, there's no financial backing going to come from this. And, and even if you got the right family, here we go. I'm not the one. I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. And, and Gideon begins wrestling with his now moment. Too many times I think we miss our now moments. We miss God's plan because we can't see ourselves in that role. We can't see God using us that way. We can't see ourselves as a dynamic Christian or a leader. We can't see ourselves doing this or that or whatever comes along. Instead of, I am the one, it's more like this. I am the one? I don't think so. And friends, God would say to you that you can be more than you are right now. You underestimate your potential when you get God leading your life and guiding your life. Gideon says, I'm not the one. It's interesting that now moment in life that God begins to expand Gideon's vision help him get a a better picture of things. And he says, but I'll be with you, God says. And you shall strike down the Midianites, every one of them. God responds to Gideon's insecurity and says, I'm with you. You cannot fail. And friends, when you're doing God's will, whatever that may be, 
You can't fail. Why? Because God's with you. That's why Paul writes, if God is for us, who can be against us? And Paul goes, no one, no one. I mean, when you face now moments, what happens is God through the Holy Spirit begins to work within you, to remind you that that you can do it, that there is something that, that can happen that's beyond you, that you can be something that you never thought you could possibly be. Because, friends, when God wants to change you, when God wants to use you in a significant way in life, not only, not only does God encourage you and affirm you, but God says, you know what? We need to enlarge your vision. And when that happens, there's something very dramatic that happens. All of a sudden, at least for me, my faith is not about religion anymore. It absolutely has to be grounded in relationship. You know, you read the, the story uh, of Gideon. Gideon is, is talking to God now. He's considering the, the possibilities. He's wrestling through all this stuff. And Scripture says that he fixes a picnic lunch for God. And, uh, you know, you have to read it, but somehow through some miraculous events... Fire consumes that meal. And it's in that moment he realizes it's God that he's been talking to. Scripture says this, But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you, do not fear, you shall not die. You'd be a little freaked out if all of a sudden there's something there and fire gets it and you're like, whoa. So God's saying, that's okay. Then Gideon builds an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. I mean, why did he build an altar? I mean, the Old Testament, anytime there's an altar being built, it was to represent a personal commitment to, to God. So Gideon, by building this altar, is kind of making a statement. You know, I think Gideon wanted to remember that moment. And it's interesting that he names that altar The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. Why did he do that? I mean, he's getting ready to go to battle. The world's falling apart around him. It's chaotic. But I want to suggest that that was the result of him committing to that now moment. Committing to to God's plan. That Gideon... For the first time, maybe in a long time, felt at peace. Maybe the first time in his life that he felt at peace. You know, I believe before you get ready for battle, whatever it is in your life, when, when you have to face those really difficult times, you absolutely have to have in, internal peace in your life. And the the place that you get that is when you realize that you're not alone, that God is with you through whatever it is you've got to face or whatever it is you you are being called to do, that God will help you in in that endeavor. Some of you don't have much peace these days. Part of it is you're still resisting God's plan. Resisting that now moment. And some of you are still 
trying to fight all your battles on your own. You've just boxed God out. You know, it's interesting. Uh, God has these great plans for Gideon. But, but he first he tests him. You know, the, the fact is, before God can ever use you in a significant way, God will test you. God will test you to see if you're willing to trust him, to obey him. And what happens is, over time, as we're faithful to that, he begins to increase the significance of those now moments. This is a time when Israel is oppressed. Depression abounds. And Israel's kind of blending into the culture, so to speak. They're, they're trying to worship God, but they're also worshiping other idols. Kind of doing both, just in case. And God says, Gideon, I have a task for you. Before you do anything else, I want you to go in the village and tear down the altar that your father built. And scripture says that he went and he tore down the altar of Baal. And that he did it of a night because he was afraid. He was afraid of his family. He was afraid of the townspeople. So he sneaks in and does it. And just tears it down. And it makes me wonder, what idols do you have in your life? I mean, what idols do you have that need to be tore down? You know, the, the fact is God could not bless Gideon. Couldn't use Gideon in a significant way until he was willing to, to be obedient. Until he was willing to, to sacrifice, to risk the consequences of doing what God had asked him to do. And friends, God will test you. God will test you to see who or what it is that will be God in your life. I mean, it may be a person, it may be a career, it may be a possession, it may be position, whatever. God says, cut it down. I want total obedience. I want to know what's important to you. And this is a tough test. I mean, Gideon has to go tear down something his father built. They've probably been worshiping that idol for a lot of years. My guess is he's breaking from the family tradition now. Must have been a tough spot. I wonder, are there times in your life when you kind of limit what God can do through you because you worry about what people are going to think? Worry that, you know, I might upset the family. Somebody won't like me if I do what God's asking me to do. For Gideon, this is a risky move. Not going to win popularity contests, tearing down the, the city's idols. Next morning, they, they find the altar. It's laying on the ground. So they ask, let's talk about the townspeople, who's, who's done this? After searching and inquiring, they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. Then the townspeople said to Joash, bring out your son, so that he may die. Something else I've noticed about now moments when, when we step up is they usually create a lot of fireworks in life. Not everybody's going to be excited about 
you trying to change. Not everybody's going to be excited about whatever it is that God's calling you to do. They're not going to cheer you on. You know, the heat's kind of coming down on Gideon for, for tearing down the altars. And Gideon's father comes to his defense. And he announces to the people, he was kind of like the mayor of the town. He says, you know, my son's right. This kid's right. We've been compromising. I now realize these, these altars, they're, they're worthless. They're not, they weren't worth anything to start with. And that's kind of how it is, I think, sometimes when we take and knock stuff off the altar in our life. You know, you ever had stuff you put up there, thought it was going to be something? And you take it off and you realize it wasn't anything. You know, I thought, I can't live without that. You know, I need the glory. I need the honor. I've worked for it my whole life. I've spent my life on this. I set it as the main goal. And then you get it. You go, it's not the God I thought it would be. It's nothing. I mean, not only is Gideon changing, but the people around him are starting to change. And I believe that's what happens with now moments. You know, those now moments, God uses them to make a difference. And it's interesting, over time, as you follow, as you obey, as you sacrifice, those moments, those moments become more and more significant. They, become, they begin to have more and more impact in life. You know, we first find Gideon, he's hiding out, he's scared to death, he's weak. And after he steps up to the challenge, God begins to change everything. In fact, Gideon is transformed by God. Scripture says in Judges 6, 34, it says, but the Spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon. I love that scripture. I mean, the secret to Gideon's life was God working through him. One plus God is a majority. Now, now Gideon is ready to serve. Now Gideon is ready to lead. You know, now Gideon had power in his life. Now he had confidence and strength. He was ready to be used in a powerful and mighty way. And I believe, friends, that the power in the Christian life comes after the test, not before. That's how most people want it. They want it before. No, it comes after the test. You know, how many of you would like power in your life? You know, power to break a bad habit, power to face an obstacle or a trial, power to to be a stronger Christian. Well, friends, one of the ways you do that is you pass the test. You know, how do you handle trials in your life? How do you handle those tests that come along? I mean, do you grumble, complain, gripe, curse at God, quit church? Bail out of the Christian walk. Abandon the faith. Gideon, Gideon embraces the moment. He passes each test. And friends, it pays in high dividends because God transforms him. I mean, a week prior, he was cowering and afraid. He's hanging out in the wine press. And now we find him, and this is what God was moving him toward, We find him 
blowing trumpets and crying out, who wants to follow the Lord in battle? And when he announced that, they say 32,000 Israelites stepped forward. I mean, they stepped up. They're going to take on the Midianites. God looks at it and says, mm, too many people. Thin the ranks a little bit. I don't want you taking credit. This is going to be a miracle. Now, it doesn't make sense. You've got 135,000 Midianites, 32,000 Israelites. God says, ask the people, say, anybody that's afraid, go home. 22,000 people went home. (laughs) I can't imagine you're a leader. You're like, okay, didn't see that one coming. God says, still too many, Gideon. Tell you what, take all these people down to the river, and the ones that kneel down and lap the water up with their hands, take note of them. So Gideon's watching. 300 people kneel down, and they're lapping the water up with their hands. And in his mind, he's going, only 300 of them. Thank goodness. God says, those are the ones we'll keep. (laughs) Send the other 9,700 home. Bookies love this. 450 to 1 odds. Friends, this is a now moment. Story gets better. God says, you know what? To prepare for battle, here's the tools I want you to take to battle with you. First, let's get clay pots. Can you imagine? I mean, Gideon's like, seriously? Clay pots? Like, do you plant flowers in? Yep. Get get the clay pots. Get the clay pots. And we need horns. Oh, cool. Okay, at least at least we got the horns. That, that's standard issue. Every cavalry has has horns. And one more thing, uh, torches. And I figure it was quite a conversation that God and Gideon had that day. He goes into battle as God instructed. Gideon shouts. They blew trumpets. They broke pots. They screamed for the Lord and Gideon. And the Midianites, they wake up in the middle of the night. And they they pull out their weapons and they start fighting. But they turn on each other and start fighting one another. And, you know, people say, well, how is that possible? But in, in those days, oftentimes, you would have like a rival group that would raise up in, in a nation and they'd kind of break from them. And so I think in all the confusion, they thought, uh-oh, it's a coup. And so they started turning on one another. And Scripture says 100,000 of them died that day. Israel, they kind of stood and watched it all happen. Gideon becomes a national hero. And it all started from a now moment. Where Gideon looked, he assessed himself assessed the situation, he wrestled with it, and he came to a point and said, I am the one, and this is the place, and now is the time. And friends, that's how God works. You know, I was thinking about now moments. I think one of the things that's amazed me most about Faith Fellowship, I mean, I've been in ministry a long time, but is this church's passion and willingness to risk it 
to trust, to obey, to sacrifice completely. You know, from the very first now moment that we experienced as a church, when a very small group of leaders recognized that there was a now moment before them, and they started Faith Fellowship Church. A few years later, another now moment where God pressed us and said, you know what, you got to begin looking for land, build a building so you can be more effective, so, so that you can be more efficient, so that you can scream to the community that there's a God that, that cares about them. And people looked at that moment and they embraced that moment and said, I am the one, and now is the time, and this is the place. And they gave their very, very best. I look at our history. I mean, it's short. It's a short history. It's an amazing one, but it's short. But it has been a series of now moments all along. And I believe because Faith Fellowship has been faithful, has been willing to be used by God, willing to trust and obey God completely, that God has taken those bold moves and God's blessed this church. That's why. I think we're about to face our greatest now moment. You know, as a leader saying, okay, we need more space. We need a place for, for the kids. You know, looking at a, a million-dollar addition. But it's about reaching people for Christ. It's about making a difference in the River Bend area. It's about impacting the world. It's about marking eternity. It is a now moment, friends. It's a now moment. And when you face those now moments, the only thing that I know to do is to obey God and allow God to work through us. And it's going to take people saying, I am the one, this is the place, and now is the time. And with each now moment, the impact gets greater The significance gets bigger. And that's how it is with now moments. I got a question for you. Do you think God could use you like he did Gideon? I mean, maybe not going to war, but could you see God using you in a way like that? Because if you're sitting there thinking, no, you can't see God using me like that. That's why God isn't using you like that. Because you think that way. The fact is we always act in accordance with the way we see ourselves. I mean, you see yourself as shy. Well, guess what? You'll be shy. Do you see yourself defeated in your situation? Then you're defeated. You always live up to how you see yourself. God wants to start with a new view of you and what he can do through you. Some of you just need some encouragement today. You know, all the time we say, well, come to church and let's talk about believing in God. And that that is very, very important. But some of you need to know that God believes in you. God believes in you. God would say to you, I know you. I created you. I see the potential in you. And you have not seen anything until you see what I'm going to do for your future. You ain't seen nothing yet. See, we limit God, and we miss those now opportunities. And God says, you know what? Just 
get a glimpse of your potential. Some of you need to trade in religion for a personal relationship. No more meaningless rituals in your life. Just conversations with God. Saying, God, here's what's on my heart. And for God to be able to say, here's what's on my heart. And when you start doing that, relationship stuff, you start seeing now moments more. And you start embracing them. And as you're faithful, as you commit yourself, with each moment, things grow. They just do. Each now moment has more significance, more impact. Some of you have been trying to fight battles on your own. Been trying to embrace those now moments on your own. You know, and you walk around and go, why am I so tired? No, why am I not gaining ground with this? Why are things not working out? And friends, I want to tell you, you need God. You need God's help now in your life. Now moments. Some of you are having now moments right now. You know, maybe in your marriage, a now moment as a parent, a now moment vocationally, a now moment financially, a now moment to start something in your life, a now moment to break a habit, a now moment to to forgive someone. You know, maybe it's a now moment, something spiritual in your life, but God is screaming, now. And if you're having a God-given now moment, whatever area, I don't care what area it's in, no matter how difficult it seems, I'd encourage you to embrace it and to remember you're not alone. You know, and kind of as a statement of obedience, if you're having a now moment, like I said, doesn't matter how big or small, to just repeat after me. I am the one. This is the place. And now is the time. Word of encouragement, and I'll close with prayer. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard thing comes up when the time comes. It's a message of hope. I don't know how hard the stuff is that you're facing. But there's a God that promises if you just embrace that moment and step forward. God will see that he clears that path for you. Let's stand and uh, pray together. God, we praise you. God, we thank you. Truly, you are the creator and recreator of all things. And God, we ask that you recreate in us a passion to run after you. God, whatever area of life you're wanting change, you're wanting us to step up and make it a priority. 
It may be in our marriages. It may be with our kids. It may be a financial thing. You're just saying you need, need change here. God, I pray we'd step into that moment. Maybe there's something we've been putting off a long time. God, I pray that you would give us the power to take that first step. For some, maybe it's breaking an addiction or something we've been doing a long time that needs to go. God, whatever it is, I pray you'd give us the power, give us the courage to step up and embrace now. God, we give you the glory, we give you the praise this day and every day. Amen.